Good evening. This is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by uh, two good lads tonight to talk about a very eventful night at Manchester United. When is it not ever an eventful night, but tonight in particular, um, they go and hit not one bombshell piece of news, but two. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, please like and subscribe to the channel. Feel free to get your questions in as well and comments if you're watching live. If you're watching the replay, feel free to say hello and comment. We do reply. And if you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to like and subscribe on the platform you're listening on. Already got some good comments in um, regarding Ronaldo. Um, obviously, the headline news is... Um, Cristiano Ronaldo has departed Manchester United and Sky News are reporting that the Glazer family could be preparing to um, sell the club and both of these stories will come to in due course. Before I get to that, I'll just introduce the panel for the show tonight. Um, first of all, Phil Marsh, former United player. How are you doing, Phil? You all right? All good, thanks, Wayne. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, two big, massive pieces of news for the club, as you've just touched on there. Um, looking forward to having a chat about that and you know getting you, your guys' thoughts on, on that. But everything's good from my end, pal. Good to see you. Um, and also joined by Andrew Kilduff of Stratford and Flags and also regularly on this podcast as well. How are you doing, Andrew? You all right? Yeah, not too bad. I'm just enjoying the World Cup. It's been quite a quite a good day of action from what I've managed to catch in between work today. So it's I mean the tournament's finally sprung into life. Yeah, um, judging by the um, attendance figures that they're releasing from the World Cup, they're probably and I'm adding your viewership into into the stadium figures. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Nobody from Qatar come for me, please, because I'm sure all those um, attendance figures are completely reputable, um, as reputable as they are at the Etihad Stadium. Um, okay, so a couple of comments tonight. Um, obviously, we've got AJ Bauer says Ronaldo couldn't list David Beckham's boots and he'd rather have Danny Ings in another comment. Uh, Rory says, welcome on, good evening, my friend. And Mark Biggs, our uh, live show host, says, I'm so pleased he's gone. Yeah, I think he means Ronaldo. Um, I don't think he means Lee Lawrence, who was supposed to be on the show tonight. Um, if the Glazers still, I will be over the moon. Um, yeah, okay, let's get to it. Um, the first story, I know I, I personally believe that the Glazer story is the biggest one, but we'll start in chronological order. Um Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, Phil, very funny thing this because we started this podcast, um, the live um, podcast, um, the video one, way back sort of September, August last year. And it basically started with the Ronaldo news, you know, the Friday night show with you and Lee. I think we started it talking about Ronaldo's return. And, you know, at the time it was mad buzzing. We were all excited for it. You guys talked about your experiences of playing against uh, playing against him in training, playing with him, knowing him as a player, and everyone was dead excited about it. Um, we were just talking just before we came on air. Um, on the return of Ronaldo, I went down to um, the mega store um, because some of my friends from California um, wanted the first shirt, so I managed to get um, the, the blue away shirt. And if anyone follows you on social media, they will know that you got the last one that was signed by him actually at the club because um, you went into Carrington a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, as someone who, you know, has, has played for the club, you've been around Ronaldo, um, 
I'd love to get your opinion on what's happened over these last sort of 10 days. Um, you know, the Piers Morgan interview, he broke that on a Sunday night and then it sort of, it was scandalous stuff all week, really, and, and none of it was really good. He dragged the, the club through the mud a little bit. I'm not here to ask your opinion on what Ronaldo did doing that because that was Piers Morgan's media exercise. Um, you're free to talk about it if you want to. I, I personally found it disappointing. I've talked about it on other platforms. Um, and I probably will do again. Um, but where, I mean, where do you stand on that? Because he was obviously engineering the exit, wasn't he? He was engineering the exit. He's got the exit, and it all feels a little bit sad. So it also feels a little bit unnecessary because it looks like the club would have been quite happy to do it. But for it to end in such a controversial way, it just feels really disappointing. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think, obviously, before I get into it, I think a lot of people who, who listen to any of the podcasts or you know follow any of my social media will know that I am a massive Cristiano Ronaldo fan. I always have been, obviously, you know from when he first signed at the club and obviously I was part of the club at that point got to know him on a personal level and you know what he's what he's done in the game I think you know he he's admirable you know in in any walk of life whatever kind of um, you know team you support I think you know people would appreciate what he's done in the game and what kind of role model he has been um however you know in the last couple of weeks um obviously the Pierce Morgan interview um, I, I feel as though he, he has massively let himself down with that. Um, obviously, it was a, a ploy to sort of do that in, in order to, you know, pave his way out of the club. I think that was inevitable um, after, you know, all the stuff that was said during that interview. Um, however, you know, he, he could have gone about that in, in you know, a lot um, better and, and, and a few different channels which would have, you know, been amicable. And I think the fans would have kept a lot of respect for him. Um, I understand his mentality. Um, you know, he's he's got the elite mentality where he thinks he should be playing every single game, every single minute, and he's still got a lot to offer. Um, so you know, I, I admire that part of uh, you know who he is, and and that's obviously made him the player that he has been. I just think, obviously, in in recent weeks, um, you know, and and this season certainly not being um, sort of a mainstay in the team and not playing regular football. Um, Unfortunately, I think he's just sort of, um, you know, come to the end of his tether with with the whole situation, and unfortunately, it's manifested in in you know an ugly exit for him. Uh, but I think obviously now it's it's the best thing for both parties. You know, I wish him well. Um, I don't you know hold any grudges against him. I think you know if you if you weigh up the the sort of time since he came back to the club overall, you know, I think. You know, especially the first season, he did really well. You know, he scored 20, 24 goals, I think, in all competitions. So, you know, you can't really criticise him for that. Um, but obviously this year, it, it's not quite worked for him. It's not panned out the way um, we all hoped it would have done. Um, and, yeah, I just think now it's it's the, the right time for both clubs to move on and sort of end the chapter of Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. It is um, very disappointing in in that respect because I, I just feel like it didn't need to happen the way they did because it looked inevitable from the summer, to be honest, and um, I, I don't think it was United's fault that he, he didn't move on. They were quite happy to let him go and I think he's um, he, he came back with his tail between his legs and then um, got upset with Ten Hogs, well, his alleged treatment of him, as we saw in the interview um, 
which was a little bit curious. Um, Matt says, I'm not sad Ronaldo has gone. I'm glad the circus has left town. There was a better way to deal with it, quite dignified. Yeah, but those two words are not two that you associate with Piers Morgan, and nor do you really associate them with um, Cristiano Ronaldo. Not in, in a, <laughs> a nasty way to Ronaldo, but certainly not in a very friendly way to Piers Morgan. Um, good grief. I mean, I've talked in length that people can listen to my complete rant about this. I mean, you can see it on, on socials anyway, but um, on the um, NQAT pod, I've talked about this at, at length with Ed, so I'm not going to go over everything on my own opinion on this. Uh, Andrew, I'll bring you in to talk about Ronaldo here. Um, I'm going to read the statement from the club and the initial statement from Ronaldo. I know he's released another one on um, his Twitter page since then. He said, this was the club... Ronaldo is to leave the, the uh, Manchester United by mutual agreement with immediate effect. The club thanks him for his immense contribution across two spells at Old Trafford, scoring 145 goals in 346 appearances, and wishes him and his family well for the future. Everyone at Manchester United remains focused on continuing the team's progress under Eric Ten Hag and working together to deliver success on the pitch. And then Ronaldo's initial statement was, I love Manchester United and love the fans. That will never, ever change. It feels like the right time to seek a new challenge. I wish Man United all the best. Um, I, I really, I'm interested to to know your, your take on a lot of this because my initial disgust was um, that he gave the interview to Morgan and the Sun. And all right, fair enough, he's the biggest player in the world, he's the biggest name. You might not have any idea of the relevance of that. You know, even if you, you take into account that he spent six years in Manchester before, all right, you might not know the significance of the sun, uh, particularly in Northwest football and everything like that. Um, so give him the benefit of the doubt. But once he, he sees the reaction of it, you would think that he'd be big enough to come out and apologise for that. He didn't. I guess that doesn't matter to him. Water off a duck's back. He, he clearly doesn't. He's thin-skinned with some stuff, clearly, but thick-skinned with others. Um, I, I think he, in that respect, seems to not have his finger on the pulse with how, how that connection is with the fans. I know a lot will will still idolise him. A lot of us will be, I mean, slightly disappointed is an understatement, considering that there's not been an apology um, for, for that part of it. I mean, the engineering and exit is, is another thing. Um, and the Piers Morgan, probably another thing on top of that. Um, what is your take on the sort of last 10 days? And, and how really how United have dealt with it? I think from a personal point of view, and I think most United fans will probably feel the same, it's 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 like a messy divorce, really. I think if he would have went in the summer, we could have thanked him probably for the season we had last season. You know, his contribution, people talk about his goal contribution and, you know, 24 goals or whatever it was, was, you know, it was pretty outstanding. There's not many players recently at Manchester United who've scored over 20 goals a season. So, you know, the contribution from that side was phenomenal, really. However, if you look at Ronaldo's season as a whole... He started off with a great flourish. He come onto the scene, scored goals. You know, he scored that first goal, game back. He got goals in that game. But as it got from sort of no end of November onwards, probably through to April, his contribution in games was very little. And it, and I think that's where United fans started to realise that his legs actually had gone. You know, you, you could see it. He wasn't quite making the runs. He wasn't as sharp as what he should be. And there was games in between the A1 goals, you know, particularly, you know, you look at that European game we scored in, in the last minute. He's Ronaldo headed late on in that game. But 
overall, you look at anything, he's actually held us back in some of them games. If we would have had a more fluid front two or front three in some of them systems, we probably wouldn't have needed them last-minute goals. So, yeah, the goals are great. But I think most United fans realised last season that Ronaldo was at the end of his game. If he would have went in the summer, I think it would have been, you know, probably a perfect ending. It wouldn't have needed this sort of fallout what it's had. But it's a new era now. And I think what's what's helped, particularly for the fans and, and for the club to be able to, to say for Ronaldo to move on, is we're actually starting to feel like Manchester United again. You know, there's there's a bit of commodity amongst the team and camaraderie and everyone's pulling together. The manager seems to have his ideas. Now, if that would have went per shape after two or three weeks, I think most people would have fell back into Ronaldo's basket and said, yeah, you know, why isn't he playing every week? This system isn't working. You know, we're missing his out on his goals. And, and that's not been the case. And I think Ronaldo himself knows that, particularly in the Premier League, the Premier League is probably too fast-paced for him. But it overall, I think for me and, and for most other United fans, he, he's slightly tarnished his legacy a little bit, particularly with the, the sort of comments he's made. Uh, more so in relation to the manager than, than anything else, really. And I think it would have been nice for him maybe to have walked away in the summer or even walked away in January without having to have done that interview. And, you know, maybe saying, well, I'm, I'm leaving Manchester United in January. We've got a game against Burnley. We've got maybe Boxing Day game or the, or the day after Boxing Day against Nottingham Forest. Let's have that as a farewell and remember him for the you know the player he has been for not just his spell last season at Manchester United, but more so his, his first spell when he was at the club. Yeah. Um, he's probably going to end up at Chelsea or, or something like that, uh, in which case he might well come back to Old Trafford for his farewell. <laughs> but he, he won't be getting the reception that um, he thinks... That, um, that he thinks probably in his head he thinks that he, he will be. Uh, just on those comments that he made, um, Andrew, you know, the, there was the one, um, if you watched the interview back, and I did after watching this, the sound clips and everything, where he says, Oh, um, I don't respect Tenno because he doesn't respect me. I honestly, I, I think watching that back, it looks like he's, he's talking about the moment rather than a uh, respect as a whole. But then Morgan kind of puts him on the spot and he, he sort of makes him repeat it and makes it look worse. I'm not defending Ronaldo, but the, the thing that really stuck out for me was the, um, and, and we talked about this, um, you and I talked about it um, a couple of times, the, the summer incidents. I remember the chain of events pretty well. Um, he, he was supposed to go away to Australia. The club were arranging the, the the kit launch right at the time that they were leaving, and Ronaldo, within hours of this all about to happen, sort of told the club that he wasn't going to go on pre-season. Um, but hours before that, it was leaked everywhere from Ronaldo's camp that he was going to he wanted a transfer, he wanted Champions League football. Everyone who's really conscious and reasonable remembers that chain of events happening the way that they are but obviously Morgan didn't present it like that in the interview and Ronaldo's not gonna um he's not gonna really change his um stand on that to make um Morgan be correct with the facts about it he, Morgan was quite sort of um he was gonna softball him on it obviously he was because he just wanted to create controversy I've just um, interesting your take on this because we're going to be talking about the ownership structure a little later on. Do you think that Ronaldo was a little bit unfair? Maybe maybe he was sensitive. You know, I, I'm not doubting the legitimacy of um, his child being ill, but you can understand the scepticism from United when all all this speculation is coming out that he wants to leave and then he's not going to go on the preseason tour. 
Um, it seems a little bit um, below the belt for him to be, say, using that as an excuse to sort of question the behaviour of the employees when I think it was a fair question to ask. And after all, he was given that time off. I mean, it wasn't just the week. He was given the entire pre-season off, so he can't really complain. I, I found that a little bit strange and a little bit um, unnecessary from Ronaldo. What did you make of that? I think it's quite a tough one, really, because he, he's he's obviously come out now and said about you know he was grieving, that the, you know that his wife was grieving, you know they'd lost the baby. It was it was starting to get to him, and I think if we would have had a little bit more of that coming across from him at the time, I think there would have been a little bit more in, empathy and sympathy from the from the fans to say, yeah, you know we we can understand that. I think the timing wasn't great because. You know, you've brought a new manager into the club, and one of the things the manager wants to do is he wants to work out what the players are like, what the mentality of the players are like. And I think, you know, Phil will probably say himself, he's he's probably been on pre-season tours with the club, and it's it's not just about the work on the on the pitch; it's about everybody bonding together, learning about each other. You know, what what are people's habits? What are the social habits? Who gets on with who? And I think. Ronaldo was going to be key to that. You know, you've brought a new manager in and he's got to show that he's there to prove it to the manager. I think we've probably seen a little bit of it as well last season with um, with with Ralph Ranić. You know, the style Ralph Ranić was trying to implement, even though it wasn't as successful as it could have been, was that pressing, the pushing game, the more attacking on the front foot sort of thing. And Ronaldo didn't quite fit into that. He didn't fit into Ranić's style very well. I think that didn't help with his sort of maybe his attitude or his work rate throughout the season, maybe that's why the goals dried up slightly, this, the sort of ch- the team style change. And I think Ronaldo was key to really to being on that pre-season tour. And I think some of it as well, we, we we're going to mention in a minute about the the ownership structure, but I think from, from a marketing point of view, I think the club were desperate to have him on to that pre-season tour because that is the big deal what brings the fans in abroad that's the big deal what the the people who've backed it on the sponsorship side of the, the thing want to see so the, there was probably quite a a commercial pull from Manchester United to try and get Ronaldo on there and I think Ronaldo probably wasn't in the right frame of mind one because of what he'd had in his per- personal circumstances but I think Ronaldo himself realised that this is a, t- a team which is about to change. The manager's got his own ideas. He's bringing his own players in. You know, we'd, we'd seen the likes of Pogba, who, who was a big voice in the dressing room, gone. You know, the likes of Jesse Lingard, Juan Mata, uh, Matic. You know, there were some big names went went through that summer. And it, I think he realised himself that, one, he probably wasn't at the level which the manager was going to be expecting. And two... He didn't really have a future at Manchester United because the future was going forward with Enix Ten Hag, whether that be over this next sort of six months up to Christmas or, or beyond that. And I think it, it would have been nice for Ronaldo to maybe to a little bit more honest in, in the summer of, of what he was going through himself. But also, you know, the, there's no smoke without fire, particularly in this day and age where everything's on social media within two minutes. Most people knew he was looking for, for an angle away from the club. And I think... With the tour being so far away, you know, it was over in Australia and the, the Far East. I think being over there probably kept him away from maybe where some of the discussions on his future were actually lying. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, and I, the club weren't standing in his way, ultimately, and um, no one wanted him. And um, he's found himself 
probably Chelsea will be looking at him thinking that's a fair option now that they get rid of Tuchel. Um, Phil, just to close on Ronaldo, but not really on Ronaldo, but it was a point that Piers Morgan made in the interview. And it really, really, of the many things, in fact, before I get that to that, I'll just come to the comments because there's a few coming in. Stuart, um, who's on our post-match shows regularly, won't be for a few weeks because we don't have any matches. So, evening, lads. Ronaldo has unfortunately tarnished a reputation that seemed unbreakable with United fans past and present. Real shame. I posted something about this on the website, so check out the article on that. Um, Matt says, United have handled the situation well. Best to say the minimum and move on rather than get into a war of words. Even the message today was subtle, was moving on as a team supporting the manager. Ronaldo never gave Ten Hag a chance. He wanted away days into his tenure. And before he trained or even taken a look at the event, he talks about respect. That is hypocrisy. Um, Lalo says, um, I wonder if that's Lalo from Better Call Saul. What a character that guy was. Um, uh, he says, he only tarnished his reputation with United fans in Madrid. He's considered the greatest ever player. And let's be honest, he wanted to be a legend of Madrid, the greatest club in history. All right, fair enough. Um I will say this, um, Phil, as I said, uh, not really on Ronaldo, but more on the Piers Morgan thing. I don't know if you saw all the interview, but there was a part in the interview where Morgan was trying to get Ronaldo to throw as many people under the bus as he could. And he started asking about the young players. And um, he basically said, oh, are the young players... He was talking about the conduct and their respect, basically. And he was trying to make it out like United don't have um, a good reputation when it comes to the attitude of the young players which obviously is the stirring you would expect from Piers Morgan. But Ronaldo, I found that pretty sad that Ronaldo went along with it. And I think Ronaldo was trying to deflect that. If you look at the interview closely, because I don't think Ronaldo, apart from when he's talking about himself being the best, I don't think he's a really comfortable interviewee. He sort of sits there and he's, you can even see the lump in his throat sometimes when he's being thrown a question that you know he's going to be uncomfortable answering and this was one and he was trying to say yeah all right the players sometimes they don't listen uh, and maybe first of all that is a generational thing but the um as rory says here at that point i think morgan was baiting him into talking about greenwood maybe he was um but the point i'm, I'm making with this is it was a general point he was he was trying to make out the united don't develop like well-rounded youngsters and i thought that particularly was disgraceful because you will know and I'm, I want to ask you this question in particular because I know that you'll be able to put the record straight on this. You are the best-placed person, certainly out of the three of us, but certainly well-placed to say, when you go to another club, a player like yourself from United's Academy goes to another club, you know that coaches of other clubs are bringing you in to be an example of professionalism around other players. And I just wanted to give you the right of reply to that as someone who has been through that system and you saw Piers Morgan um, basically make the point in the way that he did. I felt that that was disgraceful. I was just wondering how you took that as as a product of that system. Yeah, I, I agree with that totally. Where I think obviously the way Piers Morgan was was prodding and, and sort of baiting him to to say stuff like that was wasn't ideal. What I will say on that whole incident in terms of the the young players. Um, yeah, I agree. I think it's a massively different generational thing now. Um, obviously, when I was at the club, you know, young players back then were, were cleaning first-team players' boots and, you know, you were doing everything um, to pick the brains of all these top players um, just because, you, you, you know, you wanted to be on the training field, you wanted to be, you know, in and around the first team, you wanted to be improving in every area that you could be. Um, 
However, football nowadays has, has changed. Social media is around. Um, you know, there's loads of other stuff that's going on. You know, a lot of these players will have, you know, businesses and, and other, um, you know, things outside of football that's, that's going on that's taking up a lot of the time. Um, but what I will say on that as well is I think, you know, the game has changed and the game is far in terms of, you know, the way the game is now. It's so fast-paced and the players are so fit and, the amount of games the players are playing, um, you know, some of these young lads, you know, the the, the dedication and, and the, the work they've got to put in to be able to be at the top level um, every single week um, is, is is completely probably different to, to when we was back then because um, for me, I think nowadays the resilience that some of these players show, the younger lads, you know, they've got cameras in the faces all the time. They're getting, you know, loads and loads of stick on social media every other game. Um, so they've got a lot more to sort of deal with uh, on and off the pitch, um, which I think, you know, was a little bit unfair with some of the younger players. I think what it is as well is with Ronaldo, obviously, when he was a young kid, I think because of the drive and the players that he had around him in that dressing room at the time, it, it was a bit of a sort of freak-ish team because obviously, you know, that, that kind of team and that kind of, um, you know, dominance within a team that happened for that period under Alex Ferguson doesn't happen very often and I think you know the, the players he had at his disposal to, to learn from and you know watch and, and sort of you know be involved with every single day is is sort of you know different and I think you know Ronaldo was probably expecting when he walked into the club that every single player would be in awe of him and you know asking him questions every time and asking him to do yeah. stuff on the training ground which you know I, I, I don't think that some of the lads wouldn't have been doing that but I think because of the way the game is now and every all these distractions i think it's just probably been a bit of a shock to the system for him because he probably would have been expecting a lot more attention from some of the younger players you know in order to to sort of you know be in his mindset that you know he was wanting to be the best he could be every single minute he wanted to you know be kicking balls or improving himself in the gym and you know not everyone's got that same mentality as, as cristiano ronaldo so I think for me, Pierce Morgan was prodding him to try and throw a few of them young players under the bus. Um, but for me, yeah, you know, it, it was it was one of them. And I think, you know, a lot of the young players nowadays have a lot more to deal with off the pitch. And I think, you know, the, the, I don't envy them because, you know, back when I was there, there was none of this social media scrutiny. There was no Twitter, you know, none of this kind of stuff after games. You just got on with your, your game. You know, you hard work on the training ground and, and that was all your main focus is. Whereas I said, there's, there's too much going on now for, you know, some of these players to handle. And, and to be honest, you don't get enough help. I don't think a lot of these players, you know, need need help. Um, you know, we've seen it with Marcus Rashford. You know, he, he openly came out and, and admitted that he was in a bad place last season. And we've seen that on the pitch um, with some of the performances. Um, you know, he's, he's came back this season, you know, he's got to give a lot of credit to the manager as well with this. I think, you know, he's, you know, put an arm around him and, and told him he's still part of the plans and he's, he's worked his socks off and, you know, we're seeing the, the Marcus Rashford that we, we know and, and love. And obviously he's, he's scored a great goal for England the other day. So we're, we're hoping he can come back and carry on the form he's been showing. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned Rashford because if there's one player who's a shining example of everything that's good about United's um, youth academy as a person, it's definitely Marcus Rashford. Um, let's move on to the other big news of the night. Uh, Mark Kleinman of Sky News. Um, he, 
less than two hours after the Ronaldo news, he, he drops this um, exclusive um, claim, let's say at this point. There may be another statement which um, I'll allude to here. He says, Sky News can exclusively reveal that the Glazer family is preparing to formally announce its intention to examine potential sources of outside investment that could include a full-blown auction of arguably the world's most famous football club. That's their word. You can take the word arguably out of that for me. <laughs> I think they, tonight's proven that they're dominating the news even when the World Cup's being played. The World Cup winners are playing a game and United are still the headline news. Um, sources said on Tuesday that investment bankers were being instructed by Manchester United's owners to advise on the process, which is likely to include a full or partial sale or strategic partnership with third parties, a statement confirming their intentions could come imminently, one of them said. Andrew, I'll come to you first on this. Um, so you're involved with Stratford and Flags. You're involved directly with the club in terms of dialogue um, with match day culture. You know, the flags are placed around the ground and everything like that. Anyone who knows your name will know, um, will be familiar with the criticism that you get on social media for being a Glazer stooge, you in the Glazer pocket and all that. I get it myself, not to the same extent as you, because obviously I'm sort of like covering stories and, and writing books but i still get it if i report something that's positive um if i comment positively about the employees um, that i know are doing good work there I, I get criticism for it um but you wanted to come on tonight um which says a lot about you know your willingness to talk about this and um, it wasn't me who put it to you to try and put you on the spot and we talked about it before and you're quite happy to talk about this in respect to the fact that you do get this um, kind of comment quite a lot. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, first and foremost, your opinion on this, because obviously it's massive news. We had something similar to this um, two or three months ago with Ratcliffe, you know, the, the talk that he was going to put a takeover bid in. Then it turned out to be that he'd explored the options in the summer and he was kind of... I guess this interview through um, Matt Dickinson was kind of like prodding to see if there was any kind of opening for the club to sell. And it went quiet for a little bit. Um, and now this this story's come out tonight that um, they, they might be seeking investment or looking to sell completely or, or partially. Uh, what do you make of it? Well, it's typical United really, isn't it? You know, you we, we have one story which we've just dominated about Ronaldo and, and five minutes later it's... There's another story on the front page of the paper, and and that's that's always the way it is with Manchester United. I think the, the timing of it is probably quite well timed by the club. You know, the they've probably lost quite a lot of kits on the stock exchange in terms of commercial revenue from what Ronaldo was bringing into the club. You know, love him or hate him, Ronaldo is big business. He, he brings in them sponsorship deals in as critical he was of Manchester United and the owners with them Piers Morgan interviews. I don't think there's been a day since where Ronaldo's not sort of tweeted about his own commercial activities. So he's a massive commercial brand himself. United know it's a big gulf to fill. You know, the, the, the it's mid-season. It's probably not going to impact significantly on the, on the shirt sales, but Manchester United and the Glazers will be looking for a new number seven for next season or a new big name star who's going to be bringing in them commercial deals and, and bringing in them them shirt sales. And I think no coincidence since they've announced that the club's potentially up for sale, that stock market value on the on the New York Stock Exchange has probably hit its highest level of Manchester United's value for, for a long while at the moment. You, you probably be able to look that up yourself in, 
in, in a few minutes. But I think one of the big drivers that is the statement pretty much echoes the statement of what Liverpool put out two or three weeks ago. Okay, it wasn't officially put out and it's and it's not officially put out by Manchester United, but it almost reads word for word of, of what Liverpool are looking to do. And there's only so many investors about in football. I mean, you're in a you're probably in a good peak period at the moment where anyone wanting to invest from the, the Middle East is probably driven in by the wave of the euphoria over the over the World Cup. You've got the sort of Jim Ratcliffe bid, which has been knocking around in the background. To me, I'm always a bit wary of that. I don't think it sort of fits in with Ratcliffe's sort of business style. I think it'd be nice for him to own Manchester United, but I'm always a bit wary that, you know, Chelsea was more appealing because it was at a low price. It was a cut down value on that. But I think there's probably not a Manchester United fan tonight who's not excited by the news that the owners are going to go. And I think one thing we can say is, you know, with Ronaldo going, it's probably united the team a little bit more. And I think if the owners go, what's definitely going to happen is going to unite the fan base and it's going to unite the club a lot more. And that is, it's definitely one to look at. You know, the club are about to, sometime over the next few months, unveil plans for redevelopment of Old Trafford or even a new Old Trafford and redevelopment or a change of scene on where the training ground is at Carrington or somewhere else. So, that's going to need massive investment. You're talking probably one and a half billion pounds for investment in the stadium and, and, and the training ground. The club don't have that money at the moment and there's only two ways it's going to come. It's either going to come from an outside investor, it's going to come from somebody maybe buying the club or it's going to come from a big sponsor and, and losing Ronaldo has probably limited that sponsorship option maybe a little bit further. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I mean, even at that price, whatever price you're talking, anywhere between let's say four and nine billion pounds, United still in that arena where you've got Real Madrid and Barcelona as possibly the only three clubs who you could invest, who you could make a purchase on a club with that kind of money and still expect to turn a profit. I'm not saying immediately you'd see nine, a profit on nine billion, but eventually at some point United will make money for that that owner. Um, I'm not saying that they'd see a return in, on investment, but they'd make money from it rather than they'd have to throw a lot down the drain to see a return a la Chelsea the first time round for Abramovich or the, the city owners. It's not going to be a 10 year project until they see um, substantial income. So as soon as someone comes in and steers United in the direction, the right direction, especially now because the, not the stock value, but the stock in the club is pretty low. It seems like a a good opportunity all round. I mean, for them to sell and for someone to come in, doesn't it? It definitely does, and you know, like we're starting to see the upturn off on the pitch as well. You know, we're we're not quite in that top four at the moment, but we're there or thereabouts. The the football's improved. We, we've shown from what the decision the club's made with Ronaldo now that the manager's in charge. And you know, when was the last time we could probably say that about Manchester United, where we actually knew the manager was in charge in the dressing room and not some of the big name players? So the the potential is there. You know, it, we're we're on the upward spiral probably on the pitch. We're, we're still quite a way off where we need to be. But to take us at the next level, it is going to need that level of investment in there. Is it a good time to to sell the football club? It probably is Is the right time. You know, the owners have been there for 17 years now. The funds are running dry in the pot. There's only so much money you can milk from the sponsors and from somebody else. There's probably a lot of sponsors put off by the, you know, the protests from the fans. <laughs> And you've you've probably got your biggest rivals in it domestically in Liverpool up for sale as well. So 
you're putting yourself out there now. It's like, you know, do the offers on the table? Do you want to buy a Ferrari or do you want to buy a Lamborghini? And that's that's what some of these potential buyers are now going to be looking at. Do we invest in Manchester United or do we invest in Liverpool? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. That seems to be a big thing. Uh, Richard says in the comments, Ratcliffe will come back. Now the Glazers have said they might be willing to sell according to the press. Obviously, we're live, so we've not seen the, the, anything that's breaking at the moment. Uh, Richard also says, I just don't want Arabian investment um, purely on a humanitarian level. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those Middle Eastern um, takeover bids come with that kind of political discourse, don't they? And um, it's not, from my perspective, I don't think it's wise to speculate over things that may or may not happen until you, you know, you've got something in place because I don't think it does anyone any good. We've all got our gut feelings on it. Um, you know, United can be a self-sustainable run. They don't need massive investment they just need to be able to operate on their own uh, two feet and they can compete as, as they did under the Chelsea era and they can you know even even run well and um, they can still compete um because you it's not like you need to buy the same players that Manchester City you need to buy you still claiming the it's like you said about Liverpool um, we're basically swimming in the same pool for a buyer but in, in the league table you still Competing for the same 114 points every season, you're not, um, you're not, they're not all coming from, um, they're not all coming from Manchester City. They're coming from all the other clubs as well. And um, Phil, I don't want to, you know, my policy, and this is for anyone who listens to this or watches this podcast. My policy with the four players, we're very lucky to have on. By the way, they give the time to talk to us and provide the insight, as they um, so often do, so articulately about the um, their experiences at the club and. And how that translates to the everyday experience. I don't like throwing you all under the bus when it comes to talking about the owners. Um, but again, you want to come on to talk about, um, you know, it's obviously a big day to talk about the um, the events at the club. What I do want to ask you about is, you know, how it might affect the young players, this kind of talk. You were, um, you were there when the takeover happened in the first place in 2005, so you'll be aware of the protests, that the, the breakaway to form FC United. Um, you know, you were recovering from the car crash at the time and then you came back into the first team. So all that was happening for the same time. At the same time for you, you know, you're going through quite a lot. Um, I guess with that in mind, you're concentrating first and foremost on your own recovery and your own kind of battle into the first team. But I was just wondering, does it does it have any impact? You know, when there's this kind of conversation going on about the club's ownership, are you thinking about your own future? You know, because you look at what happened at Chelsea and you look at what happened at City and there were a lot of different players at Chelsea and City beforehand and suddenly, you know, when the takeover comes in, their entire future's like um, turned around. They're looking for different careers there looking for different places, you know, their livelihood completely changes, their lifestyle completely changes. Um, you might get that same kind of um, atmosphere at United um, with a lot of young players, you know, a new owner might want to come in and completely change the culture of the club. You know, they've they've had this youth record going back to the 30s, but a new owner might just want instant success and provide the funds for it. Um I'm just curious as the as to the mindset of of a youngster at the time of a takeover at United in particular because the spotlight's so big anyway, and then this added uncertainty about um, about your future. How does it affect you? Yeah, I mean it's a difficult one because as you say, Man United they're always going to be in the headlines, and um, you know when when a takeover or you know possible buyers come in and. 
you know, you're hearing all this speculation. Um, you you can't not um, ignore it. It's always there. Um, I think as a player, you've just got to try and concentrate on what you can affect, uh, which is you know your own training, your own um, you know focus, which is which is playing football. Um, I think obviously trying to think back to to when I was at the club, um, you know, not as much social media that there is now, and I think obviously you know with with the scrutiny that you know a lot of the players get. It must be a lot worse for them. Um, I think back then, you know, you you hear little rumblings um, in and around the ground, but I think, as I just said, you you can only concentrate on yourself, and you're just doing all you can do in, in order to give yourself the best chance of of you know making a career, and you, you know you you're hopeful that you might get the chance of playing in the first team. Um, but yeah, I think obviously for for the current crop of players now, with with the amount of coverage that the club gets, and as I said, you know the way it is now with with the, the 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 press and the social media and all that kind of thing, it must be so difficult for for young players because you know everywhere you look, you know it's it's there in your face. Um, as I say, I think I agree with Andy in terms of you know the club's in a far better place than we have been in previous years. I think we've got a really good manager in place now. Um, the, the team sort of, you know, slowly and steadily, um, you know, climbing its way back to, to where we sort of want to be and where we need to be. Um, so I think, you know, this, this you know, if the Glazers are selling and, you know, we are going to get um, new owners, this this could be the catalyst of, you know, propelling us back to, to, to where, you know, the club should be and, and, you know, challenging for trophies on a regular basis, um, which, you know, we are going to need massive investment, not just on, on the plane, um, front, I think you know the training ground and, and the the Old Trafford needs a lot of work doing, um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm hopeful and you know I think you know the, there's a lot of fans who'll be going to sleep really happy tonight with the news that's brought because you know the the, the Glazers have been here for 17 years now and and you know the vast majority of the fan base, um, you know want the want them out and I'm I'm just hoping that you know we are savvy in this next. Uh, move because I think it could be vital for you know the direction that the club moves in um, moving forward. Yeah, and one last thing before we close, um, and, and I know Phil will probably be back on Friday night. I know Lee Lawrence is champing at the bit to talk about this. He was desperate to come on tonight, but um, he's been taking his, his young lad who was doing very well at gymnastics. Um, got to give him a shout out, but he, so he couldn't make it tonight. But I know he wants to talk. He'll probably listen and watch back. This but he'll be he'll be on Friday and we get to talk to him about it as well. Um, but Phil, just before we do close, I want to talk to you because about that because you mentioned Carrington. You were at Carrington a couple of weeks ago. Um, anyone? I've not you again not to throw you. You don't have to throw anyone under the bus about Carrington and say it's in a dreadful state or anything. What I do want to ask you about is you were at the club when you know United were moving to Carrington, so you were there when Littleton Road was used as a big base you were there when the cliff was used as a big base so you would go and you get changed at the cliff where all these legends have got changed and if anyone has been to the cliff and if not i, I do recommend that you go because it's a bit of a spiritual eye-opening experience when you see how incredibly small the place is and how incredibly small the changing rooms is and you're thinking best lawn charlton Cantona, brian robson you all spend the entirety of your time at United in these dingy little things. Well, they did. And the point I'm making, Phil, is that for you, growing up and seeing those kind of players, 
and you go to the cliff, it's a rite of passage. The nostalgia's there. Even when you go back now, the nostalgia's there. You love it being around there because it's just an incredible place to be, the history. And you, going back to Carrington, and, and obviously you trained at Carrington when you were at United, you know, you, you were involved in that transition when you went from the cliff to Carrington. So what is it like there? Is the nostalgia there? Obviously, might, it might not be for some of these younger lads. They might not be thinking, oh, Ferdinand um, Van Nistelrooy, Van Persie played at this kind of place. But they might be. I'm just wondering, what, what's your take? Does it have a nostalgic feel? Maybe more so for you because you were there. But do you think it has that in, in general? You know, obviously it's going to be and going to need to be updated. But in terms of the nostalgia, does it feel like a... a is it is it Manchester United? Is it carrying that same character? Yeah, I think obviously, as you just touched on there, for me, I, I was lucky enough to to come to the club when you know the cliff was still getting used, as you say, Littleton Road. So all these iconic venues that were you know used by so many great players, for me, it was it was amazing to sort of be in that transitional period where we went from there to obviously Carrington, which was you know back then it was state of the art, you know everything you had um, at your disposal for a young player to to make yourself be as good as you can be. Um, obviously, when I went back a couple of weeks ago, um, I was sort of expecting, because of you know the demands on the game and the, the technology and the amount of you know staff that's employed by the club now, I, I was gobsmacked actually to hear that there was seventy-two full-time members of staff just working with the first team, um, you know, and that's sports science, you know, dietitians, you know, all this kind of stuff, um, which is crazy because I think you know when I was you know, the, you'd have your physios, you'd have, you know, a couple of people here and there and, you know, that was it. Whereas now it's just the game's totally transformed. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, when I went back to Carrington, you know, a lot of things were, were pretty similar to when I was there. Obviously, you know, there's certain parts which have either changed or, you know, been slightly upgraded. But yeah, there was definitely that nostalgic feeling for me because I say I, I was probably, you know, one of the first um, to sort of, Go when Carrington was first built, and you know when when I went back, it was it was brilliant for me. Obviously, you know, bringing back a lot of good memories, um, a lot of good times that I had there. Um, I think the the biggest change for me, which I, I sort of had a chat with a lot of the coaches about, is that the and I I feel like this is probably um, a, a a negative and and something that I would find if I was at the club now as a youngster um, would would maybe you know hinder my progress. I think when I was at the club, everybody was in the same part of the building. Um, everybody, you know, from the under 17s up to the first team was, you know, mingling on a daily basis. We'd all eat food in the canteen together. You know, you're going in the gym with each other um, and you got that real feel of the togetherness um, and you sort of, you know, you can, you can sit with some of the first team players and you feel part of the furniture. Whereas now I think because the academy buildings used pri primarily for you know, the younger players um, and the first team are sort of segregated. Um, for me, I, I sort of was a little bit disappointed with that because I think the the four or five years that I had um, full-time at training at Carrington and, you know, being in that environment, the, the, the main part of that for me was, you know, on a daily basis, going into training, training, having lunch with the first team players, watching what they do on the training pitch as you're coming back off the training ground from a training session, you know, speaking to him in the gym, picking the brains about, you know, I'd be speaking to some of the strikers like Ruud Van Nisselrooy and, you know, just asking questions about, you know, maybe a game that I'd watched the week before or, 
you know, asking him about something that happened in my game. And I think because these players maybe don't get that opportunity to do that, um, you know, on, on, on a regular basis or as much as they probably should, um, for me, that that's the, the club are missing a massive um, window of opportunity there. And I think, you know, whether that's down to COVID or, you know, certain managers at certain points who felt like that was the right way to go. Um, yeah, I, I think that just obviously, you know, talking to some of the people and the coaches, I think that that could be something that I think maybe, you know, if, if the club are going to, you know, try and move back and, and try and get some of the, the old habits back, if you like, I think that would be a, a, a great place to start and just getting everybody back in involved in, you know, as I said, that was what made my time at the club so memorable, being able to, you know, as I say, get involved and, and see them players on a regular basis. Let's go put this comment on before we go. Uh, Richard says, Wayne, there's a great book in Phil. It's got to be said. I have been saying, well, me and Phil have been talking about this for years and um, don't worry, I'm sure Phil's book will be coming out at some point because he's... Um, his story is just incredible. That's why we're so lucky to have you on the pod, Phil, because you're so insightful with the um, with your adventures and, and experiences. They're always great at articulating them as well. Um, it's good to hear the love for Phil as well because um, we definitely all feel it on the pod. Um, well, that's it for this uh, week. Right, so we weren't planning to have a pod. I know there's usually the Friday night ones, which um, Keane takes up with Phil and Lee. And um, I guess that, that'll be the case anyway. But um, the, the Monday morning ones with uh, Paul Parker were on a slight hiatus while the World Cup was going on. So unless there are any massive uh, developments, and obviously United, you cannot rule them out um, as today. Although the Ronaldo saga is obviously finally over. Um, we don't anticipate that there'll be these kind of late um, additions to the schedule podcast. But if there are, then... I'll be sure to round up the guys and, and we'll be popping on to um, react to whatever the news may be. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please like and subscribe on the uh, platform you're listening on. And if you've um, listened back on the audio platform, please be sure to give us a review on the platform you're listening on. We'll be back very soon. Thanks for listening and thanks for watching. <laughs>